Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. It's the Bart Winkler Show on CBS Sports Radio. Need a place to talk sports? You've come to the right place. CBS Sports Radio. Live from Milwaukee, it's Bart Winkler. CBS Sports Radio, good evening to you. Wherever you may be, wherever you find yourself, we're glad that you find us with you. I'm Bart Winkler. David Shepard's here. And uh, and you guys keeping this engine moving on a on a Wednesday night, everybody keeping it going. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Again, it's a full night in the NBA. There's a lot of NFL matchups to get to. There's big news with coaching decisions. And you know, earlier today, I thought, all right, we'll talk some Chicago Bears. They're keeping Matt Eberflus interesting. And then you see Pete Carroll. And okay, what's next for the Seahawks? And then Nick Saban retires. And that is a massive story. And that, that, like I said, if every night's a buffet and we choose what to, what to eat from in terms of, you know, topics and discussion, this is going to be the one that, you know, the, the staff has to keep refilling because it's such a hot item. People want to eat it and eat it and eat it. Uh, not everybody wants to eat from that tray. Maybe you want, like, something else. Maybe there's a delicacy that you don't normally have when you cook. So we will also nibble off of those uh, dishes as well. And how about we go to Adam in Toronto, who uh, is going to serve us something else down the buffet line. What's that? What's up, Adam? Bart, I would like to nibble in uh, the NFL playoffs dish, if that's Wait. okay with you. If you can tie it back to Nick Saban somehow, sure. Yeah, Adam, <laughs> you you called and said you want to talk Nick Saban, so you can't lie to Bart like that. Yeah, you want uh, to talk Saban? No, Chef, don't do me like that on national radio, <laughs> man. Come on. <laughs> no, I've heard about Nick Saban for about the last five hours on the radio, so I, I think I want to switch it up a little bit. Just for a, just for a, I just want to dip my fingers. Yeah, in the yeah dish just as a dip, something else, you know, a chaser to a shot. Sure. Yeah, and then I'll leave the buffet and I'll leave I'll leave you guys alone to talk about Nick Saban all night. Um, I want I want to I want to talk about Bill Steelers. So, I mean, obviously, after that Denver game against the Bills, um, I was I was out on the Bills. Man, they were they were dead in the water. I thought they had no chance to make the playoffs. So, obviously, them being here and them getting hot at the right time, I, I'm I'm very delighted. Um, <clears throat> now, the only reason I'm worried about the Steelers is uh, the Bills are very good at beating anybody, but they can also beat themselves pretty good. So. I'm worried about the Steelers because I feel like Bills, the Bills like to play down on their opponents for some reason. I don't know why. Every time they play a really bad opponent, it seems to be closer than it should be. Um, obviously, with T.J. Watt being out, man, um, 
you know, should I be worried? Like, I, and I, I know it's Mike Tomlin's team, and, and you know, he's going to play hard. But, I mean, I'm not really scared of Mason Rudolph, and I hear it's going to be really windy in Buffalo. But I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on the game, Bart. And um, one last thing I want to say is that I think uh, David Shepard would kill Mike Tyson in a fight. I will leave you guys alone. <laughs> all right, all right. That's my yeah, guy. Yeah, we, we can, we that, can go back in that dish. Adam from Toronto is my guy. Adam, thanks for the call. Quick thought on the Bills and Steelers. So I think there's a lot of games that could be upsets this weekend in the NFL, and this one obviously could be one of them. And I think that, you know, he's right that the Bills can play down, and if anyone's going to beat the Bills early, it could be it could be them beating themselves. Yet they could also be primed for a long run. I think with this game, Bills fans are going to be anxious. They're going to be cautious. They're going to start to think the worst and think the worst can happen. And then by the middle of the second quarter, they'll be up 21 to 6. So I, I, I know that there's a lot of angst. Uh, and the Steelers, you know, if you play this game 10 times, Steelers are going to maybe get a couple. I feel like. There's got to there's got to be one big upset this weekend. I feel like we're in store for for something crazy, but the Steelers getting to this point seems like they reach their finish line, and the Bills seem like they have a little longer to go. Uh, again, I think I think there's going to be an upset, and I think there's going to be a big one, and whether that is Packers Cowboys, could be the Dolphins in the cold, could even be I didn't see who was favored, but I don't think anybody's like confident in the Eagles uh, for some reason I think that they got a dumb little run in them uh, but I, I think at the, at the end of the day the Bills should be able to hang on to that one but I get it it's the playoffs anything can happen we're just playing one time uh, the Steelers have won games that I, I I can't fathom that they won I saw them I went to Pittsburgh they played the Packers this was a game that the Packers you know watching it back I can't believe they lost but that's what the Steelers have done. The Steelers, you look at them, you watch them, you think that's a four, five, six win football team. Now they they got enough to get in the playoffs. 855-212-4227. That's pretty yummy. Let's get back to the main dish. Greg is in Michigan. What's up, Greg? Oh my God, Bart. Beautiful show, Mr. Positive. I gotta tell you, I love your food salad. I love your buffet and the chemistry between you and my chef. Uh uh, David is fantastic, and yes, I was on Cuomo tonight. Um, but I got to tell you, your thoughts about um, uh, the program at Alabama—did the program make the coach, or did the coach make the program? I love that your historical perspective was out of this world. I mean, you were spot on, and there are so many great uh, topics tonight. But here's the thing: Did Saban? play uh, a coach in the NFL? Yes, and Shep brought this up uh, about an hour ago, and then I immediately shut him down like a jerk. (laughs) Well, um, I don't know what to say about that, but uh, Shep loves you, and I love you, and it's all good, Bart. But here's the thing. Well, Greg, he made a guy cry in the NFL, and that's what Saban's known for when it comes to his NFL career, not the success. Right, and here's the thing. And I think you're right, Bart, because it seems like Maybe the program made, at least in this instance, Saban. Don't get me wrong. Saban, six, seven championships, whatever it is, fantastic. But 
you know, it's like you uh, alluded to is that, uh, you know, uh, it sounds like that the, maybe the program, uh, how it was uh, implemented and, uh, you know, you know, I, I think you're uh, onto something there. Well, and I just wonder, uh, Greg, thanks for the call. Good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. Good to hear from you. Uh, just edit that. Um, with Saban's Michigan tenure, um, Miami tenure, rather, Miami, there's not much that I remember about it. I just remember it didn't work, and he was bad. In 2005, they went 9-7. and seven. 2006, they went 6-10. and 10. I've always chalked it up to some guys just go to the pros and it doesn't translate or work. That's where I just figured he was one of those guys. So he, you saw what he did at LSU prior. Then he goes to Miami, and then it doesn't work, and then he comes right back to Alabama. And they start winning conferences again. They go to bowl games. They win national championships. He won the college football playoff three times. They were in it, I believe, eight times. Won the BCS three times. And so they've had a lot of success. Where I wonder about the program or the coach is when you look at, like Gene Stallings won in 92, so that's the exception. Otherwise, a lot of these titles came 30s, 40s, Bear Bryant, 60s. You know, and there were some of the coaches that we look at and they're immortalizing that program. I only ask that because when Nick Saban took over in Alabama, I thought I didn't I never foresaw this. I never foresaw this because in my waking life, being born in the early eighties, to some of you, I'm an old man, to some, I'm still very much a baby. But I never knew Alabama to be good. They were never on TV. You never like knew anything about them. And then the last 15 years, they're either on prime time or right in the middle of the afternoon with the biggest game on Saturday. So it's changed quite a bit. And I wonder, without an elite head coach, because we're talking elite of the elite, who can say they had Bear Bryant and Nick Saban? Who can even compare to that? Uh, maybe Michigan now? Schembechler and, and Harbaugh? I mean, there's not like, – who can compare to that? And so when you have that, you wonder – like, yes, the program historically has been good, and you would say Alabama is an all-time program and a blue blood, but what are they without an elite head coach? And I think Alabama is not going to try to want to find that out. And I think they will exhaust every measure, and they will pay every dollar in a buyout to continue building on what Nick Saban has gotten them to, even though we're going to be in a much harder realm. And to bring up Ryan Hickey again, who was in here earlier tonight, uh, he said the dynasty's over, which it absolutely is. And then he said, we'll never see one like this again, which we absolutely won't. Because now, not only do you have all these teams fighting for, um, you know, the championship, but you're going to have an expanded playoff, which means more chances where anything can happen. And then if we're down, we're not down entirely, but if we're kind of moving to this two-power conference sort of thing, well, it's going to be more. There's going to be more parity at the top. It's going to be harder for a team to win six titles in 15 years. It will just be harder because there will be more, like actually strong, elite, good programs to do that every year. And also, I mean, we could say Alabama got in the playoffs this year. They didn't win it. They didn't win their game, but they got it kind of as like a hey, Nick Saban, thanks for all your hard work. We're going to put you in instead of an undefeated team. So you could almost look at Nick Saban's legacy as kind of what helped him get in there in the first place. Let's get to Sean. 
Sean is in Oregon. Uh, hey, Sean. Hey, and uh, Nick Saban's team almost made it to the championship. I mean, they were right down there at the goal line. That that cheating Michigan team just they knew the play they were calling and just barely <laughs> beat them. They they must they knew that they knew that Jalen uh, Milrow was going to run right into the wrong guy. They knew it. And let, let's just show appreciation for Nick Saban today and and what great football teams we've got to watch, you know, and he's really brought it, you know, and, and think of like Pete Carroll's teams and how fun they are to watch too. Yeah. I think it's been really great. And, you know, I think something's going on here in Seattle and uh, I think they're making some moves and making, uh, making move, making room for, uh, for Jim Harbaugh to come there. I really do. For Seattle. Yeah, I really do. And Harbaugh replacing Pete Carroll would be very funny. You know, well, you know, and, and it's uh, and I'm not sure Pete Carroll would stay in that advisory role if that was the case. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that's kind of. I listened to the way Pete said the way he talked at the you know, his interview, and he talked about how what a a great opportunity this is for somebody and stuff, and it was almost like he was being inviting for somebody. And uh, it's probably hard for him to do that. That's why there was tears for him, tears in his eyes. You know, this has been a tough deal for him. And, uh, you know, when you come to the Northwest, you come out here, the media is not going to be on your back. And, and you already got a great fan base. And this is a loving area. You know, we're not hard on people out here. We're very inviting. And I think this is a great, great thing for him. But, I mean, you think of all these coaches' moves and – you, you think of, of what's going on with Nick Saban. You think with Pete Carroll. And then what's going on with maybe in New England and, and, and the hoodie might be gone. I mean, we're watching all these great coaches that we watch some great football teams, brother. Just And I think we should, instead of looking to the next person, let's just, for right now, let's just show appreciation for these great coaches. Yeah, not bad. Thanks for the call. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4CBS. Again, with Nick Saban on the way out, what is next for Alabama? And also Pete Carroll leaving today. So there's been already on that front some suggestions that their former defensive coordinator under Pete, Dan Quinn, who was with the Cowboys, could be a natural successor. Mike Vrabel now is looking for a job. Maybe he goes to Seattle. Could this be the opening for Eric Bieniemy? We'll see. Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator with the Lions, is going to get mentioned in pretty much every job. Could he be the guy? Will all these jobs open up before the Lions are out of the playoffs hurt a guy like that, as it seemingly did for a while for enemy Or could Jim Harbaugh? Could he decide that Seattle's a good option for him and get back into the NFC West? We'll find out. There's a lot of moves that we are finding out that we didn't expect. Uh, there could be more moves coming, and I'm I'm not sure how quickly this Alabama job will get filled. And at first I thought, oh, Nick Saban, they'll go on a long search, they'll, they'll do whatever. There's already some reports. There's already some reports. We'll play one for you. Uh, but there's already some reports that this the, there might there might be some action a little bit uh, sooner than we thought. 855-212-4227. I'm Bart Winkler, CBS Sports Radio. It's the Bart Winkler Show on CBS Sports Radio.
This is the Bart Winkler Show. Listen Monday through Friday, nighttime and nationwide, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern and 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific on CBS Sports Radio. End of the road for Nick Saban at Alabama. End of the road for Pete Carroll in Seattle. Advisory role. I don't know what that means. They did the same thing with uh, Bruce Arians in Tampa. And then for a while, they like showed him there. And then I don't even I mean, do you go to every game if you're in an advisory role? I guess. I mean, yeah, get out of the house and have decent seats, watch a game from up high. But um, advisory role. I've seen I've seen that a lot over the years where you don't quite want to fire the guy. So because you, you, they, they had so much success and it's an organization, kind of a family feel. So you say. How about this? We'll find a way to keep paying you, and we won't fire you. The headline will never be, Pete Carroll fired. It will be mutual agreement, advisory role. Oh, great. Well, what do you want me to do? You know what, Pete? We're just going to figure out that later. You go up there, talk a little bit, say some nice things, open the door for the next guy, and, uh, and, then, and then we'll figure it out. All right, all right. Should I come into work tomorrow, help you with the draft? You know what, Pete? We'll call you. Um, just, uh, you know, keep wearing your Seahawks blue proudly, and uh, and we'll be in touch when we need you. Okay, uh, great. Can I take another job? I don't care, uh, but you're not fired, so it's up to you. 855-212-4227, 855-212-4CBS. Johnny is in Atlanta. Hey, Johnny. What's going on? I What's say- good? I say the reason why Alabama was so good was because of the, because of the coach. I say uh, when he was with Miami, he made this one quote I never forget. He said, "It's hard to motivate million dollar players." That's the reason why he couldn't see because he couldn't motivate them because he couldn't get on that level. He's like uh, another Bill Belichick, but you know, with less respect. You know what I'm saying? And I want to say um, is the Alabama. Alabama Appealing to in in NFL job right now? If it, if it, if it, if it is, do you think the OC from um, Baltimore would take that job instead of? Um, I know they're trying to get him down here in Atlanta, but hey, he won two national championships with Georgia. Hey, let's go over to Alabama and win some over there, and then Pete Carroll might go there too. Yeah, hey, I'm losing you a little bit, uh, but Johnny, I think I got you. Thanks for the call. Is the Alabama job more attractive than an NFL job? I think that depends on the individual because there seem to be, and this is what we referenced with Saban earlier, is he did go to the NFL. So when he left LSU, he went to Miami. And for him, the NFL was more attractive than college at that time. I think, again, it depends on the individual. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, yes, Jim Harbaugh would rather go to the NFL. That's what we're seeing, although still at Michigan. It won the title on Monday, made it through Tuesday. It looks like we're going to make it through Wednesday. We're Jim Harbaugh, still at Michigan. Uh, each day that this passes, I'm a little more surprised. A guy like Deion Sanders, I don't think goes to the NFL until he accomplishes what he's looking to accomplish at the collegiate level and then can maybe – will use that success as leverage at the next level. Cause the, di- the, the big difference is it's kind of the control you can have. I-, I think we saw this with urban Meyer is a great example 
where Urban Meyer was the main dog, the main guy, succeeded beyond wildest dreams at Ohio State uh, specifically, and, and back to Florida as well. But with Urban Meyer, when you're at that college level, you control everything. Yes, you have a boss, the board of chancellors or regents or whoever, but you are the highest paid state employee in that state, typically. You are the face of not just the program, but the university. You are the man in charge. Everything runs through you. Everything. That's why I only softly believe Harbaugh when he says he doesn't know any of this counter stallion stuff. Because I just think these guys, these guys are so used to having all the power. It's sometimes when you have so much power, you don't even like, you're, it's not that you're power hungry. It's just, that's what you're used to. I know everything. I'm in control. I run this ship. Everything comes in and out through me. I know what classes these guys have. I know what girls they're dating. I know everything that there is to know about this program. I know I'm in charge and I can make changes when necessary. I can fire guys. I can change the travel schedule. If I don't like the meals we're getting, whoever's responsible for that, I can get them fired. I am in charge. When you're in the NFL, you lose a little bit of that power. Like this Bears job, we talked about if Jim Harbaugh would want that. Well, instead of just being the man at Michigan who they have wrapped their arms around, because despite the scandal, despite the allegations, you've won them and were their best chance and now were their chance at a national championship, in Chicago, if he would have went there, now he's got a GM he's got to answer to. There's the ownership group he's got to answer to. They've got the president and Kevin Warren, former Big Ten guy, he's got to answer to. There's just more people that are kind of on the, the food chain, and you have to delegate your duties and responsibilities, and it's like a group project instead of just doing it on your own, which some people are fine with because some people don't want to have to worry about the recruiting and the re-recruiting. And managing the NIL. Some people don't like that. Some people do. Some people would rather group or coach guys in that group of age between 18 and 21 where they can kind of be father figure like, where they can kind of help mold these guys, where they do have a little more influence, where there's not a lot of money that's being involved more so now. But you'd rather coach those guys than the 22 year olds that walk into a contract and before they've ever played it down, they've got the house of their dreams, the car of their dreams, the second car of their dreams, the second house of their dreams. Like it's, it's, it's different expectations. So is it more attractive? I think to some it would be and to some it's not. That's my long way of answering that question. I certainly think the Alabama job is more attractive than some of some of the jobs that are open though um, in the NFL. Again, it just depends what you would rather do. Some guys are fine with being a college coach, and the NFL is not even a consideration for them, and vice versa, which is crazy because it's the same sport. Some guys will only jump to the other if they have to, if that's the only way to get back in with the eventual goal of getting back to where they were to begin with. So very interesting for a coordinator. If you're a coordinator, if you're trying to, you know, and there's no job open in the NFL, but you really want to be a coach and show that you can do that, then maybe you jump to uh, college for a while. There's just a lot at play here. It all just kind of depends on the makeup of the man. Pat is in Michigan, 855-212-4227. Hey, Pat. How you doing, Bart? Just What's a up? beautiful explanation of the yellow garden spider web of college sports and the portal and NIL and all that. 
But anyway, uh, my my topic was, well, I got a couple topics. Uh, as far as the Alabama coaching job, I think it's going to be either landing uh, fish from Arizona or they're going to go to the NFL. They're going to go big. I mean, the, the, Alabama ain't joking around no more after Saban. No, they're not. They're not promoting. See, none of the assistants are even mentioned. They're not promoting any of these guys. They're not taking a, yeah. a first time. They're not taking a project. They wow. want the biggest fish. And I, what I would guess is they want this. I mean, what's because if you even if you get like a Dan Lanning, if you get Dan yeah. Lanning in two weeks, it's like okay, did he want to come here? There, but if you can nail down and hire Dan Lanning from Oregon in two three days. Then, I mean, that just further shows you that Alabama's yeah. the one, you know, they're the ones pushing the cart around here. Yeah, and that fish guy, you know, is uh, uh, spider webbing in my next thing about Harbaugh, you know, if he he's 50-50. He's going to stay at Michigan for big money, or he's going to go to the NFL, and he's going to go to the West Coast. A lot of people think it's San Diego because of Herbert, but the Seattle job just opens up, and I'm like, Seattle, are you kidding me? Terrible weather up there. Harbaugh loves that. He'll have a middle to late first round draft pick, JJ uh, McCarthy. I mean, you know, and you know, it's. I don't know. I, I just think that you know he's just one of them dudes that like you know, he don't he don't need sunny weather. He he'll take crappy weather, whatever. And oh, I wanted to say before you let me off here that uh, Dave Shepard and I had the. The right four teams in the college football playoff after the selection committee uh, chose that night. The only thing they had wrong was they had Texas instead of Georgia. And I wanted to give Davis props because I had the same thing. I talked to him that night. You thought that Georgia would be in instead of Texas? Yeah, and I'm kind of glad they weren't because the way I had them ranked, uh, <laughs> Michigan would have opened up with Georgia. but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still don't know how that would have gone. I have no idea. I think Michigan would have won. Well, yeah. I, well, I think so, too. But I, I always thought that after that SEC championship game that they lost to Alabama, I was like, oh, my God, if Georgia played these guys again, they'd, they'd probably beat them by three touchdowns. I mean, yeah. I just I had that feeling. Yeah, well, we'll see. Pat, good to talk to you, man. Thanks, Mark. That's Pat. He's in Michigan, 855-212-4227. That's uh, we talked about this maybe Monday we touched on it or the other night is that we were wondering would you, what would what would Georgia and Michigan result be, which we shouldn't wonder when you have a playoff you shouldn't wonder how would a non playoff team have done against the champion, but even though we got to a four team playoff that was still a question that will be eradicated with the twelve team playoff, which again I think it will make it harder for I think it will make it harder I think it, it will be harder for these schools to try to win a national championship. Because even if you're Alabama, Nick Saban won six of them. And all he really had to do was have the best or second best team in the SEC. I'm saying that like it's not an accomplishment. It is. But there were some games, some bye games in there and some lower opponents, and they played like two or three good teams, the SEC championship game, and then you're in the playoffs. Playoff games, it's it's three games plus the SEC championship game. Now the SEC and Big Ten are stronger. So winning a title is going to be harder. I, that, we're, we're not going to see six championships in 15 years ever again. We're not, we're not going to see that. But are those the expectations going forward 
for Alabama. I don't think they are. I think the expectations are get us into that playoff every single year. I mean, if, if you made the 14 playoff eight times, you need to make a 12 team playoff all the time. And as I've been talking about, I think a lot of the at large bids are going to go to the SEC and to the Big Ten. You get the auto bid in the ACC, the auto bid in the Big 12, but you're going to have schools in those conferences that if they have two losses, they're almost done. If you have one loss, you stack them up. Like One loss in the Big 12 might equal three losses in the Big 10 or the SEC. And I know that that's going to frustrate some people because it seems like it's that already when it shouldn't have been, but these conferences are, are loaded. You're not just adding four Pac-12 schools to the Big 10. You're adding Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA. You're not just adding two Big 12 schools to the SEC. You're adding Texas and Oklahoma. I mentioned two playoff teams in there. Let's get to Dave in Miami. What's up, Dave? Hey, Mr. Positivity. How are you, sir? (laughs) Hey, what's up? (laughs) I just had to put that out there. That guy's annoying. Anyway, Shep, I have a question for you before we start. Greg's not annoying, Dave, but go for it. Um... You remember old school radio when they had the host and the producer in the studio, the guy behind the glass? Is that you? Technically speaking, yes. Okay, all right. I want to get that out there. All right, man. It's like I, I remember that from Summers when he's like, I think Sweeney Murdy used to be the guy behind the glass about 30 years ago. That's good, but, that's, um, that's, that's good company to be in, Sweeney Murdy. Yeah, right now, man. Legend. Anyway, uh, my question. Hey, my we, we all sit at the same table here. <laughs> Why not? Seven states what, away, what, but who cares? What, 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 what do you have, at the little kid table? That's not very nice. Not very nice. No, I'm not. We're, nobody's getting stuck behind any glass here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> thank, thank you, Bart. No, for, Dave, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you picked up on this by now. We are not fortunate enough in New York City, uh, Marco Belletti and I, to host Bart Winkler. Bart Winkler is in Milwaukee. Marco and I are back in New York City. Yeah, they begged me to move, and I said, shove it. See, that's when you know you're big, Dave. That's when you know you're big. Mm -hmm. You get a a five-day-a-week national gig, and you can say, you know what? I feel like staying in Milwaukee and hosting. Yep. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah, most most of you guys can't even find me on a map, but here I am. (laughs) I I wanted to talk about saving. I actually lived in Alabama for about 10 years when I was in the military, so um, I became an Alabama fan. In 2007, one of my coworkers put me on to Alabama, and I had no idea what college football was. And when it comes to dynasty and legacy, um, I don't think no one could replace Saban, just like no one could replace Joe Torre, and no one could replace Phil Jackson in the Lakers and the Bulls. So it's going to take a, a while, but I don't see no six championships again. And um, before I go, follow your dreams. And just keep hope alive. Thank you. All right, that's Dave uh, in Miami, 855-212-4227, 855-212-4CBS. A lot of interesting questions being asked here tonight. If you'd like to chime in and throw one our way, please do. If you want to talk about uh, anything else, you can. I think the Cubs signed some dude. If you want to talk about that, feel free. Um, what else can we talk about here tonight? Uh, the Celtics beat the Timberwolves, number one in the West and East, uh, so you can discuss that if you'd like. Stephen Warriors Smith. got blown out again. Stephen A. Smith. I was about to say, is Stephen A. Smith and Whitlock on the docket? Uh, no, but I did listen to that. I did. <laughs> I did. It was very, uh, it's very interesting to hear Stephen A. Smith as you know him, and then Stephen A. Smith unfiltered. Uh, just 
you know, it's kind of like just different uh, and is very interesting. Um, yes, that's my further comment on that. I, there's a lot of there's a lot of fights going on right now. I'm not trying to make any headlines here. I'm not trying to get involved in nothing. I'm just trying to get you know, yeah, feet wet in this new slot. Rogers, and- Rogers, Kimmel, Cat Williams versus the world. Uh, Stephen A. Whitlock. I feel like there's. I feel like Draymond versus everybody. I mean, it never ends. Uh, you versus a rational take on how fighting Mike Tyson would happen. That's not. No, that's not irrational. <laughs> it's not irrational. I, I I stand by a part. I'm 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 a 36 year old athletic guy. Mike Tyson is a 57, soon to be 60, over the hill, retired, long time boxing guy that um, got by on natural talent. And when his body betrayed him, he couldn't fight anymore. And now he looks like a house and not the brick house kind. I would make this wager if we're going to talk fights. Yeah. I would wager that everyone listening right now could beat me in a fight. I don't know about that. I have. I have. No, you don't. You know why? Because you don't. You you you've clawed your way to get to where you are. You don't. You don't have as many jobs as you've had. I mean, I feel like, I feel like you've had twenty jobs before you, you you've had this one. Yeah, but that I'm mean, like physically. I'm just saying. No, but that no. Like, but, am I a fighter? Sure. Yeah, I could be. Right. A, I'm a scrappy, scrappy. fighter. But that, that's that's where I'm getting at. That alone would give you the edge over half our listeners. I don't know. I'm pretty confident I could beat no one. Like, I just, so this is what I want to say. If you're ever, like, sometimes you're listening to the radio, and I've listened a bunch of times. And I and I listen, and I think, man, what I wouldn't do to punch that guy in the face. Yeah. Because you, you don't like what they're saying. And I'm here to just tell you that if you do ever have that thought on me, feel vindicated in knowing that you could beat me up. Who is Who is the baddest you-know-what at CBS Sports Radio? Anybody who works here. Who do you think would be the toughest to beat in a fight? Uh, I wouldn't want to mess with Maggie. Why is that? Oh, I just <laughs> think she'd win. Okay. Dude, Gelb is like seven feet nine also, so I'm not fighting Gelb. Yeah, but he stopped playing sports at like 19, so I'm not worried about oh, that Oh, I could beat up, I could beat up Hickey, though. Hickey, you know, Hickey's actually one of the uh, better in, better in-shape people here. Yeah, I can beat him. He's pretty fit, and he's, and he's young. Yeah, I can beat up anybody. I'm sure you could. Mm, not even sure. You know who I couldn't beat up? <laughs> Marco, My man! Marco Valetti. It's the Bart Winkler Show on CBS Sports Radio. One thing that I have learned over the years, and I still need to continue to learn, is that when you put something out into the world... You are putting it out into the world, even if you think you're putting it out to just a a small audience. The internet is forever, and you know your reach can be as far as the waves of the internet take you. There's be a lot of times where I would get in, let's say, Twitter fights because I would be just discussing a different team, and I thought I was just talking to, let's say, let's say Packers. Let's say I'm discussing the Packers, and I rip on the. Uh, I don't know, the Detroit Lions or something, and I say, the Lions don't deserve this, whatever, they stink. Um, oh, I did this with the Diamondbacks this year. I said, the Diamondbacks don't deserve to be in the playoffs. But I was really just talking to Brewers fans. That's what I thought, because Brewers fans follow me. I'm in Milwaukee. 
But Diamond Facts, uh, Diamondbacks fans caught on that, and then I was getting heat from them. It's like, oh, my God, you, you do something, and who knows? There was a young lady on Green Bay, Wisconsin television, just doing a report in front of the Lambeau Field, and Jair Alexander, the cornerback, comes up, and she's like, he's like, ah, and she goes, oh, that fan's excited because she didn't see him. She didn't know that it was him, and that went kind of viral. And I don't know what the intention was, and I don't know if he understood what he was doing, but there was a report that is gaining a lot of traction that came from KVAL, CBS, in Eugene, Oregon, from the sports, I believe, director there, um, Brandon Kamerman, or Kamerman, my apologies. Here's what he said on TV. He said, and again, he just thinks he's talking to maybe the Eugene, Oregon audience and uh, Oregon fans trying to tell them, like, hey, your coach's name is is in the rumors. Your coach's name is being reported. Dan Lanning is someone that could take over for uh, Saban. And here's what he said. He said, as we reported before, I previously worked in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa. So this guy worked there, now works in Oregon. He says, of course, I do still have sources there. We are confirming that Dan Lanning is in Tuscaloosa. He said this an hour and a half ago in Alabama. It doesn't mean the job is signed or the contract is signed, but he's there. And what I was told is that the players were told a decision was going to be made in the next 72 hours. So this was a sports anchor who is either going to have one of the all-time gaffes that, and, and really learn about the ferocity of spreading news in an internet age, or he will be the one that broke the story. And I don't think that you say something like this with as factual uh, as he is saying it and having previous experience there. Uh, and I was watching this guy's resume tape. It's pretty good. Um, Cause I was trying to figure out how to pronounce his name. And so I pronounced it both ways, I think. Um, but he is saying that Dan Lanning is in Tuscaloosa. So why would you be in Tuscaloosa the second week of January if it wasn't to immediately interview for a job that Nick Saban stepped down for? And Dan Lanning is a guy who has been elevated instantly to the top of the projection charts. He spent a year in 2015 as a graduate assistant in Alabama. So there is some familiarity with the program or at least a year of how they do things. But I I don't know that we should assume that he is there just to, uh, just to interview for the head coaching job. I don't know that we can assume that Tuscaloosa, a very nice uh, town, you know, Southern part of the country. So nicer this time of the year, there's a lot of great stuff that he could be doing. The uh, Alabama women's volleyball team plays on Friday against Missouri. Perhaps he's there for an extended weekend. Maybe he's one of these guys that like to go on trips to follow different volleyball teams or wants to cry. I have a friend who tries to cross off every SEC stadium off his list for football. Maybe Lanning's like that in in, uh, volleyball. Maybe he wants to check out the, the Bama Theater. That's a historic theater downtown. Maybe he's really interested in the Museum of Natural History in Alabama. It's the oldest museum in the state. It was founded in 
1831. So as they approach near their 200 years of existence, maybe he just wanted to get in while the getting was good. Maybe he's a big uh, art freak and he wanted to check out the Westervelt Warner Museum of Art. I'm just reading now that that it permanently closed in 2018. Maybe he did not know that. Uh, maybe he's maybe he bought one of those things for Christmas or got in a white elephant exchange. You know those maps that's like a scratch off, and once you go to a state, you can you can scratch it off. Maybe he doesn't count the college football aspect of that, and just only counts it as a visitor. So he wanted to go there and and scratch it away. But that's what the report is is saying, and that's what people are uh, jumping on board and saying is that Dan Lanning who was already before all this started was the favorite could be in Tuscaloosa interviewing or at some point interviewing for this job. Dan Lanning, we played a clip from him earlier this hour after the Texas A&M job open, he recommitted and said, this is where I want to be. I will double down, use this if you want. And in the moment, maybe that's what he meant. But when you're a coach like this and then you ask people to bookmark it or put it on tape, Like, he had to know if Tuscaloosa was his dream job, he had to know at some point Nick Saban's not going to be there forever. He's got to know that at some point Nick Saban's going to step down, and if that's his dream job, he might have a chance. I think that even if Dan Lanning meant or thought or tried to convince people that he meant what he said early in the season when he was never going to leave, if Tuscaloosa's your dream job, I, I think that he takes it. If Dan Lanning wants this job, Even though everything he said, and this would destroy Oregon fans, and you're already you're moving to the Big Ten, you're getting you've got off the Pac-12 ship. You think we are in a a super conference now? There's there's no way that we're gonna lose Dan Lanning to anybody. But then this Alabama job opens up. If if Dan Lanning wants the job, already five hours into this news, seems like it might be his. More of your thoughts on the whole Nick Saban retirement, what's next for Alabama, and much more at CBS Sports Radio. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients. 
Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO.